0: Good morning. You've been super busy lately, huh? In my absence, just caught back from- You've been
1: equally as busy, I feel like, so it's not a contest. We've both been- A
0: contest of busyness.
1: That's a terrible contest to get caught up
0: in. Yeah. No, there are no winners in that.
1: There's only losing. We're both losing. Um, No, it's not a competition, but you are jetting around. I've caught you in this less than 24-hour window that you were in Hong Kong. Yeah. I got back at
0: 11 last night. Yeah.
1: And for me, it is Art Basel week in Hong Kong, which you are just like completely missing entirely. It's weird.
0: It's just so happened that it ended up being in perfect alignment that I missed everything pretty much.
1: Yeah. It's so funny because last night, so Hong Kong just gets crazy busy in March. And last night, besides the event that we were a part of, there were, like, I know of four other events yeah. that people, like, of our, you know, industry, age group, socioeconomic, etc. cetera, were going to. it's <laughs> so such a are, like, weird filter. I mean, I'm sure, well, because I don't want to be like, there are only four events happening in Hong Kong, but I'm, I'm sure there are other things happening in Hong Basically, Kong. We're Basically, we're,
0: like, we're not invited to the bougie ones.
1: Well, we knew the person DJing at the bougie one last night. There was a... There were a bunch of gallery events. Okay. Anyway, not the Got point. Um, so the event we were a part of called Clubhouse, slash that we are still a part of for the rest of this week, which is yeah. why I'm so busy, Yeah, um, is a collaborative space between 14 different brands, artists, businesses. We were not the people originally behind this idea. We were invited to take part. But I do think it aligns with what we're interested in because it's meant to be an intersection of art, audio, and apparel. Right. Yeah. So different people, like ourselves have been invited to broadcast from the space or to DJ in the space, um, to play music or for us to do interviews. And then there's products being sold and there's, um, art on view. Yeah. Yeah. Which cool. I like. And yeah. you know, it's interesting because I think the people who invited us, you know, they're friends and to some degree, like yeah. we trusted them yeah. to just, you, you know, execute their vision, right? Like to put on a good show, to invite good people. And we didn't really get involved in to that degree. But when I was there last night, I did feel like actually this is the kind of thing that we're about, you know, a physical space with people from, you know, around the world from different areas coming together and being able to have real conversations. And it didn't feel, even though the products were being sold, it didn't feel commercial. Yeah. In that way, like it didn't feel like Arthur's that good at just that. a pop-up Arthur shop. Arthur
0: and like Leo the Yeti boys, yeah. Leo, they're the really Yeti, good guys. at that. Yeti, for those unfamiliar, is like a DJ collective and they just launched their record label. Yeah. Silk Road Sounds. Yes.
1: And yeah. Elfic is on that. Or I don't know if he signed to the record label. I don't mean that. Like he's on their first album nice. that was released. Everyone was really cool. I got to meet all of the guys, um, like the people from, well, some of them I've already met, but We were just talking with like the Pleasure Street X forties and shorties people. But something that I recognized after I left the opening night last night is did you see my tweet about being the only one of the two female organizers? Really? Yeah.
0: No. You didn't see my tweet? I, I missed
1: it. And I'm not and it's like strange because I'm not really sure what I what purpose I serve by pointing that out. Yeah. Because it's not like any of the guys were rude to me in any way. I just want to be clear. Like I didn't experience any kind of harassment or prejudice in this space, but I was counting and there's like 14 involved brands and artists and businesses, including ourselves. Yeah. And other than Subi for the Yeti crew, I was the only other female organizer Yeah, besides like Mop staff who I'm discounting because they're like not asked to be involved. Right. Like there's in terms 14, of. If
0: there's 14 entities involved. Mm-hmm. How many of them are men's streetwear? And people need to see my air quotes.
1: I think there are seven men's streetwear brands.
0: So what, what comprises the other six?
1: Um, so there are two artists yeah. that were invited to do a mural on the wall and they're male. And then there are a couple of radio entities besides ourselves. Mm -hmm. we're not really a radio entity, but I mean like doing broadcasting music, uh, Hong Kong community radio, FOV radio, triple X. And I must be missing something. The math works out to be 14. Yeah. (laughs) When I did this last night afterwards. I don't think, see, I don't mention it because I want to say, oh, I feel like an outsider. That's actually not why I want to mention it. I think I'm just, Mentioning that I recognize there's an imbalance in this culture, but I can't tell.
0: Do you think this is a particular sort of part of the culture? Like it's not indicative of everything. Although, I mean, it's more for...
1: It's a bit of a microcosm of everything. I mean, I I wouldn't say like, oh, this is representative of... But I mean, if I looked at, if I broke down agenda for you or complex con, I bet we come up with... Maybe not quite so drastic numbers, but a similarly skewed ratio. I guess my argument
0: is like, are we trying to encapsulate streetwear here?
1: But I think the problem, what I'm trying to point at is not that there's a problem at this moment, but it's how do you encourage women to start their own streetwear brands and businesses? Yeah. I feel like that must be part of the issue. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I could think of is like, is there maybe genuinely not as big of an interest coming from women? But I feel like I can't believe that to be true because in terms of attendees, it was like
0: 50-50. Yeah. In
1: terms of people coming through the space, it was evenly split. And yeah. as many women were like browsing the products and taking photos and yeah. interacting with people. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, I guess in the grand scheme of things, just to understand like where they're, where they're coming from, or even maybe the acknowledgement of it. Because I think we acknowledge it. I think we're quite aware of the situation, which is why we try to influence something. But I we try to have a point of view on it. But I also think that we maybe are a little bit on the periphery of that space. Right? Yeah.
1: And it's interesting because I've talked about this before with you personally and or I feel like I have. And I never feel that it's a matter of intentional exclusion. Like, I would never think that Arthur and Leo, the organizers, are like, let's not invite females to participate. But it's not intentional inclusion either. Like, at no point do I think they're reaching out to the right
0: people. Not right people, but.
1: They didn't. And they've invited really great people. Like, don't get me wrong, but they also. I expect there wasn't a part where like, Hey, actually we don't have any women represented. Let's find maybe they're not as popping, but it'd be good to like balance out the mix, you know? Yeah. So,
0: Valid points. Should we get started for the day?
1: Did you have anything you want to catch me up on? Oh, rise hotel.
0: Yeah. Before we kick things off, I was in Seoul the last two days. I was overseeing and doing some stories around this new project that Macon and Rise Hotel are engaging in. It's kind of a weird way of putting it, but just a project we've partnered on. And long story short, Rise is like a new hotel that's in Hongdae, which is traditionally sort of the art sector of Seoul or the art neighborhood. And it's a really cool concept. Like basically the whole hotel is being built from the ground up. So they're, they're writing their own rules essentially. And I think there's an interesting sort of intersection there of, I know it's kind of cliche, but East meets West, it's like our friend Jason Sloback, who's kind of like the creative director. And what he's done is like kind of brought people from all across the world to kind of have a footprint within the hotel. It could be um, the retail concept. It could be the people designing the uniforms that are inherently from Korea, mm-hmm. But then also artists like Cody Hudson, who's from Chicago, could be us, you know, having a room, a special room experience. And we're from obviously, or based in Hong Kong. Yeah. So I think it's interesting to see how it's going to play out. And one of my big takeaways was that in this current sort of uh, world of travel where Airbnb is so dominant, what is the value of a hotel? And what they do offer is like public space. Like you're not going to be able to invite someone into your Airbnb to hold some sort of programming. Yeah. But as a hotel, if you can create programming around that, it's going to be really impactful. And you've kind of seen Airbnb try to be a little bit more experiential. So this is kind of an interesting. um,
1: But it's separate because I think a hotel, it's still even old school hotels like Four Seasons, they provide you one holistic experience from one person. It's
0: private space too. Right. And it's yeah.
1: because it's a single entity, they can control a lot of aspects and not, and I'm saying this in a positive way, yeah. not like they control it. So it becomes rigid, but it control in the um, case of our friend, Jason, he is able to make very specific decisions. Like you were saying about uh, certain rooms and the uniforms, et cetera. Yeah.
0: And exactly. you're not going to get that with Yeah, Airbnb. It's pretty unique in that sense, but I guess I was maybe taking it from several steps back of just mm-hmm. like the the idea of lodging, like mm-hmm. when you're gonna go find somewhere to live, right? Yeah. So I think they're kind of reimagining what a hotel is and it's not necessarily a place where travelers mm-hmm. can just stay, but also an integration into the local community.
1: I like that.
0: Yeah. It's pretty cool.
1: It's true. It's like what other purposes can a hotel provide now that Airbnb can equally provide you like a nice bed? Exactly. You know. So a hotel has to be more than just a comfortable bed. Do you know when it's opening?
0: It's opening April twenty fourth. That's yeah. really soon. Yeah. Oh, cool. Should we get started for the day?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Kick us off. Me first. Two heavy topics.
1: Oh, I don't know why I think of this, but I don't think the first one is as heavy as the second. Time will tell. Both of our subjects are things that have been big in the news. My topic is to discuss the Facebook, Cambridge, Analytica fallout. And I'm picking this not because I'm interested in discussing how did this happen. I'm not here to talk about the fine points of Cambridge Analytica having access to the data, but what does the aftermath mean for you and me and people like us, right? But just to explain in case anyone hasn't heard, what happened is that Facebook back in 2012, 13 era used to have permissions on their data that allowed many apps, not just Cambridge Analytica, but a variety of apps to collect data on Facebook users. Basically their permissions were looser and allowed more rampant collecting of people's information. So what happened is that the data of 50 million Facebook users wound up being collected by a researcher who worked at Cambridge Analytica. And Cambridge Analytica, wound up working for the Trump campaign. The connector is Steve Bannon. <laughs> if you want a more thorough explanation, the Vox has a really good one because this is all I'm getting into. How this happened in brief is that the researcher who got the data built a Facebook app that was a quiz. Yep. And essentially when you were like, oh, is?" I don't I don't know what the quiz was about, but like let's say it was telling you what Disney princess you are. So let's say you fill out this quiz, you're just like, oh, this is fun, whatever, I'm gonna share with my I friends. Think, I thought it was
0: a personality quiz, but don't quote me on that.
1: It's one of those, like a fluffy kind of quiz, yeah, right? Like yeah. not explicitly what are your political opinions on Trump, right? Yeah. Um, but because you did the quiz, you gave them permission to view, you know, your friends, your chats, et cetera, events. And not only that, but it collected data from your friends as well. So you yourself did not have to take the quiz to have your data collected. You just had to have a friend who took the quiz, which is why it was so far reaching.
0: Yeah. Like 50 million people.
1: Yep. 50 million people. And so this all came to light in the last month. Zuckerberg has been having a bad press day every day for 30 days now. Yeah. But what we talked about in the briefing on Monday this past week is, is it a viable option to leave Facebook for you and me? And besides deleting Facebook, what are the other possibilities right now in the social media landscape?
0: Yep. Interesting. Because before you had suggested this, I guess I was too rooted in the whole Cambridge Analytica slant. But I think now I understand kind of your perspective. It's really about what does a post-Facebook world look like?
1: Yeah. It's not interesting to me to like slam Facebook and Cambridge Analytica at this point. And many media outlets have done that already. So I don't need to chime in there. But I do think it is interesting that we are at a moment where it's real now to be finding other options and even maybe creating our own options.
0: Let me ask you this. What are the predominant things that comprise a social media platform in your eyes? Non-scientific, just like off the top of your head.
1: People.
0: Network, basically. Yeah. yeah. It has else? to be other people. And I'm talking about a sustainable one. Mm-hmm.
1: A sustainable one. I mean, once you use the word sustainable, I think of monetization. Exactly. You know? like, there
0: has to be something in there. Mm-hmm. So network and monetization and obviously experience in terms of like content. Like I would say those are probably the three major ones. Yeah. So I wanted to propose. You know,
1: I almost was hesitant to say content because the primary reason I haven't deleted Facebook yet is because people use Messenger to contact me who don't have my number, which which has made Facebook not a social media platform in a way, but just like an email service. I don't know what to call it. Do you know what I mean? I, I understand. They're able to contact me without having my number or my email address got it
0: so communication yeah that's what I think it goes under network
1: but yeah because you said content and I was like almost it doesn't have to have content if it allows people to just contact you
0: I guess it's kind of like a 1a 1b yeah right so if we want to break down your argument or what I guess basically the overlying topic is like what are the options
1: you know what I assumed is that we're moving on My underlying assumption, if there is an argument that I'm making, it is that we are moving away from Facebook now.
0: You mean in terms of the general population? Like in order to proceed
1: in this conversation, we're both on the understanding that like the general population is now moving forward and away from Facebook.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. We mentioned network, right? I think network is one of the most important topics to kind of look into because Facebook was big, you know, Back in the day, because that was really the major sort of social media platform. We were there because all of us were there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And that's something that regardless of Facebook, I think actually is indicative of all social media platforms because social media platforms are very almost like cohort specific, whether I'm using that terminology exactly in the right sort of sociological context, I'm not entirely sure. But basically, you and I will have some overlap in terms of like interest went we'll, on. We'll still be on Facebook. But there's a reason why Snapchat users aren't on Facebook. Yeah. And it's arguably because the people they identify with and they connect with are on Snapchat. Right. And likewise, their parents are probably on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So if you look at that from a youthful perspective, there's always going to be a new next thing. Because the youth want to go where everyone else isn't. And I think that's a pretty valid statement. I haven't, I've been trying to poke holes in that statement itself, but I've yet to see something that across the board is something that is, has shown otherwise. So when the Snapchat user turns 33 and, you know, their kids that they start having are, you know, entering the social media space, assuming it's still around, because I think it's obviously ingrained within our identity and culture now, they won't want to use Snapchat.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Do you know of the social media app Musical.ly? Yes. Oh, okay. It's the one where it's like,
0: sure. it's kind of the one where you like sing and do karaoke, right?
1: Yeah. It's the one where you like lip sync to pop songs and dance. And a lot of young kids are on that. And by young, I mean like, you know, even as young as eight, I would say. Yeah. And that is an example of what you're talking about is there will be smaller apps that we don't, We can't even predict, like we can't imagine what they look like that rise up and maybe they start like musically and it's this very one specific function, but they build out other social media like functions that make them into the equivalent of Facebook for these kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Assuming that's sort of been identified that network will like a social media needs network. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's get that one off the table. So that really will be dependent on where we are at any point in time when a new social media platform pops up. Right. Next one would be content slash messaging, right, or communication. Um, I think that is pretty universal because that's a byproduct of network. So I think that's almost like less of a a big point. Yeah. But I think that the last one is probably the most important one. Yeah. Monetization, right? Yeah. I had this conversation yesterday or last night on Twitter where someone was saying that, yeah, you know what, everyone should just go out and build their own communities that they own, mm-hmm. and it was interesting because I was like thinking to myself honestly what what platforms exist for that that are currently decentralized and or wholly owned by the user or the community owner and what are platforms that we currently use that are really not ours so like if I start a community on Facebook who owns it Facebook Mm -hmm. it's sort of hard to find an out-of-the-box solution for towards community building that is yeah
1: I mean I saw this conversation that happened between you and this person. And you also mentioned Slack, like how our making community is on Slack, but we are still at the mercy of Slack.
0: And especially after 20,000 messages.
1: Yep. We don't have access to our archive without paying, right? Like there's a way, it's just that we have chosen to go with free Slack.
0: I I still think going cold turkey on Facebook is not as easy as we think it is. Like you're still relying on other places to communicate that are honestly, in many ways, similar to Facebook. They're still algorithmically driven. Mm-hmm. They're still defined by the same sort of monetization tactics of advertising that you're really just removing something shitty for something less shitty.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think so. But let's say, you know, for example, Slack, right? Slack isn't collecting our user data in the same way that Facebook is. And we're also not providing it as much user data, right? Like part of the reason Facebook is so bad for us is because you know it follows us around the web. It's basically tracking everything you do everywhere.
0: Yeah, because I think right now the monetization side of things is still TBD. Like I think a lot of people are looking at ways to make it work and like... (laughs) You remember when Vero was big for like a week and they were like saying... Or like three days. Three days and like, oh, we're going to charge people. And maybe there is something there, you know? Um, I was reading about Raya, which is like this exclusive dating app that charges people $8 a month to be part of it. Okay. And you get vetted. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of potentially like a social media platform that actually might have a sense of um, validity to it, right? I mean, still they someone else owns it. and. Everyone you know, in the face of all this Facebook stuff, I've heard a lot of people suggest a, a decentralized social media network, and what will be interesting is that I don't think the the infrastructure is necessarily there, but also the way that it works with a lot of decentralized things is that the refinement of the product doesn't come till later on, so mm-hmm. you have to put up with a half-baked idea at the mm-hmm, start. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the community gets behind it and there's enough critical mass Mm -hmm. to build in something great. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you kind of have to put up with that and whether people have the patience for that, I don't know. Honestly, there's a- Well,
1: on that subject of whether people have the patience for that, that's why this moment is important because people would not suddenly develop the patience unless something drastic happened. And in this case, we have a drastic situation which will give a certain portion of the population enough patience yeah. to try something different, something point. that is not as polished. That's a good point. I had um two other things I wanted to mention on this subject. One is that Facebook, when it started was much smaller to the individual user. You might have a hundred friends, 200 friends, and it was a replica of your existing, like your real life social network yeah. in some ways. Like, because it started off on university campuses and you might've just connected with your university friends when you first started, right? So it was just like, oh, conveniently, all of the people that I see on my campus during the month, they're now accessible online. But now Facebook, an argument why people don't leave it is like, oh, well, everyone is on Facebook. And by everyone, they mean the world. What I am inclined to think could happen is that people, and this might be too optimistic of me, is that people might start to see we don't need to have access to everyone yeah. at the drop of the hat anymore. We can go back to more private circles, even online, but we can go back to smaller circles on Ello or Visco or other or Real Raya or WhatsApp, whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Or using WhatsApp group chats instead yeah. of needing this access to every moment. Look, I don't remember the last time I made use of that.
0: going to bring that up. When was the last time you had a positive Facebook moment? Whether it's someone that hit you up out of the blue or you saw something interesting shared. Yeah.
1: See, I, you're totally right as well because part of me is like, earlier I said, oh, one of the reasons I don't leave is so anyone can message me in case they need to. But I... I have never gotten a client through someone messaging me
0: on Facebook. It's kind of like they want to connect with you bad enough. There's a ton of ways to get a hold of you. There seems to be like a desire to move away from Facebook, but unfortunately, this isn't the right time. And I, the reason I say it that, that be, there's, yeah, go there's ahead. nothing to tip people into currently. The options that exist are off in the distance. And they're not close enough yet.
1: I think when we look back in a couple years at this moment, I don't even think this is the beginning of the swing away from Facebook. I think that starts around like 2016 campaign season Mm -hmm. when all of that stuff started to become public information, like the way Facebook was involved in uh, campaign rigging. That will have been the beginning. And we're going, this is not the boiling point. This is not where it becomes very obvious, like mass movement, but we're on the trajectory. Like we're on the path towards it.
0: What if I play the devil's advocate and say that this might be a moment in time where things get fixed?
1: This is possible. You suggest this as well in your analysis piece. Like, Is it possible that Zuckerberg turns things around, that there is greater regulation? Is it possible that the US government steps in and make some calls. I think it could happen. I but.
0: just wonder the, the the challenge becomes the monetization side, because that's obviously mm-hmm. an important part of it, where if they choose something that is more socially responsible at the cost of profits, does that fly? And you really can't do that as a publicly traded company. Nope,
1: <laughs> nope, nope. It is possible that Zuckerberg will allow for regulation to some degree and that he might make, make honest attempts to change things around. But, and this is an idea that I've totally taken from the New York Times daily podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to that?
0: Familiar, but no, I don't. They
1: had an episode on this subject and the, the expert did say almost exact thing you said. Like, is it possible for a company to operate on this scale to offer a service for free? ostensibly to the world and then make money not based off of ad revenue? Like we don't, they don't think so. No. I have one more thing. I wanted to say on the podcast, the same thing that we talked about in our private conversation when we were discussing your analysis piece. And I said, I think we should just acknowledge leaving Facebook is not an option for people in certain sectors. Um, if Countries. You are,
0: yeah. Yep.
1: In developing, well, I also said sectors because maybe you are in a isolated rural part of the states as well, and it, it is possible, but it's harder for you. Like, let's say all businesses are on it; um, there are parents, daycare groups are on it right? Like it's a, it's a more radical choice to leave Facebook. And then especially in developing countries where they don't have alternative options, and this is maybe their main means of making money, even like they sell things there or they're purchasing things through Facebook, then it's not possible. And I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to add that to everything we've been talking about.
0: That was a great point because that was a blindness on my end to not acknowledge that. And I think it's, we're incredibly privileged to have the option to say, oh, yo, fuck Facebook, let's get out of here. Let's Mm -hmm. go to the next thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. not everyone has that. And I think there is something potentially dangerous too. Like I think we've talked about it a little bit about digital colonialism, Mm. where if Facebook goes and offers you free internet, which they try to do to India, and Mm -hmm. they said no, that's another issue too. Mm -hmm. So like if you are a country that doesn't have the ability to say no to free internet from Facebook, you're locked in.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So in closing, I'm, I'm, I have a question for you. Okay. What does your most ideal social media platform look and feel like? And this has to take into consideration the three factors that we had previously discussed. Community, monetization, and kind of the service, content slash mm. messaging slash service.
1: There has to be some kind of content. Otherwise, we're just talking about WhatsApp, right? <laughs> I would pay for a social media service. How much? Not that much. I would pay maybe two U.S. monthly. Okay. I think that's fair.
0: Two U.S. monthly, if you got 50 million users, that'd be $100 million if you could get to that scale. If you could get to which that Which I think scale. is incredibly challenging right now, but who knows, that's kind of what Vera wanted to be, right?
1: Um, anyway, just I would pay somewhere between two and five U.S. monthly. How about that? Okay. Depending on the quality of this service.
0: Got it. And would you be paying because you're expecting something? No ads. No ads.
1: If I pay, there are no ads.
0: Do you expect sort of value ads, like some sort of like bonus? No
1: scraping my data. Okay. No collection of so my basically data. Like you're paying- or the option to exclude my data from anything, even research
0: Got on it. their purpose. Got it.
1: Did you have a clarifying question um, for
0: that part? It was more like are you expecting to pay for like, what do what you paying, paying for? I'm paying to keep
1: them in business. Got it. I'm paying so that they can keep the lights on. Got it. And obviously my two slash $5 is not enough, but through enough users, I would hope that it could be.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like I said before about Facebook, I don't, in terms of network, I would need my peers on it, but I don't feel like it has to have such a wide appeal. Like for me at this moment in my life, it could be just targeted towards a creative community
0: yeah,
1: or a certain age group. Well, all I'm saying is they don't have to try to scale to be like Facebook to be adaptable to the whole world.
0: For me, I would say that I'm trying to think of what the, what the potential solutions are. Um, there is something that I think is inherently challenging to get people to pay for the membership side. So what are other ways to allow people to basically use the service? Right. I, I I think that crypto jacking is something that's very interesting. Like people say it's a really bad thing that, Hey, you know what? We're using your hardware to mine crypto. But I also wonder if there's a sense of transparency there and you know, sense of transparency to know that hey, this is what you're paying for and the experience is worth it, then there's no fundamental change in your behavior. You're just using it as you would. And you're also you're using it based off of how much time you spend on it. So obviously if you're on it more often, then there's a different level of sort of monetization.
1: On that subject, I do wonder if there is another way for a platform to stay in business that isn't advertising and also isn't paid subscription. Like crypto jacking is the perfect example. Yeah. You know, what is something I can offer?
0: Crypto jacking makes sounds bad, but yeah.
1: Because, so what I offer to Facebook is I offer my data. Yeah. Right. I offer my personal data in exchange for this free service. Essentially, that's how I'm paying. Yeah. I'm not paying in cash, but I'm paying in something. That's yeah. a trade. You are
0: right? the product. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. the
1: product. If I'm not willing anymore to give up my personal data, can I offer something else?
0: Well, In this case, your GPU. Or your processing power.
1: Yeah. And, and what I'm suggesting is, is there something else besides that? Your even? time.
0: I mean, would you, what happens if it, like your membership was, a? am making this up, one one hour a week volunteer at the local sort of charity? That is
1: kind of what I was thinking along the lines of like, it, it's a barter, right? Like if people are not willing to pay cash, what can you barter? Yeah. That is useful but, for a platform.
0: But, oh yeah, I guess useful is a thing, but if everyone...
1: Right, like volunteer hours is not useful for a platform. can't
0: pay server costs with that. Unless
1: they receive a grant because of that.
0: Yeah, so I think there which needs is to be two steps, some right? sort of payment system.
1: Well, anyway, do you want to talk about your ideal social media system?
0: Uh, I guess I started with the monetization side. Mm-hmm. I think the the other parts of it are how do you have sort of a... Intelligent conversation around Mm -hmm. there and how do you do it in a way that's neatly organized Mm. so I think that's a big challenge like even slack like I think the slack community that we have for making is like a good example of what I'd want like intelligent conversation people that are respectful of one another, but also open to challenging ideas but how do you take that into a place where it's easy to follow the conversation because I think right now that's a big challenge if you don't check into slack and obviously Slack is the the point of reference here. If you don't check into Slack regularly, then it might be overwhelming. And I think it's also hard to, to track a lot of different conversations happening at once on Slack. Um, so I guess that's a UX, UI thing.
1: But the intelligent conversation thing is not a UX, UI thing. That is related to what I said about a small network. Yes. That it doesn't need
0: to be... Correct millions of people yeah this is sort of an aside but maybe this is part of the monetization thing maybe there is like this interesting sort of online offline community aspect it's like i'm only using this because it's the biggest example but what if soho house was a social media platform Mm. so like you're actually paying but you're also it goes towards something else i like that that would be a way because I think people, generally speaking, are much more open to buying. That
1: makes sense because you tangible. are paying for your Soho House membership, but coming with that is an online platform.
0: Yes, and I I wonder if there are opportunities for you to further sell to that. And I like I say it's, sell because selling is fundamentally part of how you would generate revenue. Right. So you could always opt out. I mean, you're paying, you know, a few thousand dollars already for a membership. Uh uh I mean, there's a lot of ways looking at it, but I think there's something interesting there where the, 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 the bundling of the goods cannot be as straightforward as just social media. Generally speaking, when it comes to content, people have issues with digital, like paying for digital digital yeah. assets people can pay for like you know go on World of Warcraft and buy like a hammer or something I don't know
1: it's so strange we've just conditioned ourselves to be like this totally yeah or actually it's not strange because I know how this happened and it is the fault sorry it's not the fault this is, I'm showing my bias but it is related to advertising entirely oh yeah totally our consumption of information we expect it to be free
0: yeah totally I liked where this went. Next topic. My topic this week is about Virgil's appointment at Louis Vuitton. So I think this is definitely something very valid and interesting. Why do you have that smirk on your face?
1: I was just thinking about how when this news broke online, our world just like boom it was all over it in a second and it was big enough like for us like for our sector that people were still talking about it for the next couple of days like in person and offline like online and offline
0: yeah, totally
1: so it's just funny it's funny because it's such a specific kind of news, but yeah. it took over everyone's attention do you, for a bit. Do you think
0: most people are familiar with the news, like in the creative space, whether you're in fashion or not in fashion. Yes,
1: I think in the creative space, in fashion or not, you are aware of the news, but I don't for a second think that, you know, people who are bankers and work in restaurants, et cetera, like care, about this.
0: So, for those unfamiliar, Virgil Abloh's background is pretty eclectic. He's been a designer. He's a classically trained architect. He was a creative director for Kanye West. Uh, he's a DJ. So, a bunch of things. He definitely takes a he lot is of boxes. Most
1: well known as the person behind Off White.
0: Off White, and before that, he also did a brand called Pyrex. Right. I said most well known. Yes. Just to add some context, and the reason why this is so big is that he doesn't have. A classical sort of fashion design background, but he's also first generation Ghanaian American. And this is a big deal for someone taking over arguably the biggest brand in fashion in terms of luxury fashion, LV. And What's interesting is just to see the sort of feedback or the excitement around this. You know, the excitement could be perceived as both positive and negative.
1: Discussion, widespread discussion.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of discussion. A lot of
1: think pieces.
0: So Virgil's taking over from Kim Jones, who left uh, not so long ago. And the announcement is something that was rumored for a while. To be honest, I wasn't really paying attention. So I wasn't like hearing the murmurs. I'm kind of on the periphery of that space. But I think that... Once the Think Pieces came out, it was really fascinating to see the polarizing opinions that were coming to light. And before I jump into it, what have you seen or heard, Therese?
1: Okay. So I think there are there are three kinds of reactions that I would say Interesting. I
0: I saw two that were strongest to me, but I'm curious what your third one is.
1: One is Virgil Abloh is not a classically trained fashion designer and doesn't deserve this post, like doesn't deserve this appointment. And he got it through hype, right? So that's the negative feedback on this. Second is... Can
0: I make your life a little bit more difficult? Do you know what type of people share the first opinion? People who are really into fashion. And does it mean a part of fashion? Are they editors? Are they just like...
1: Editors, people with...
0: Authority. Got it. Thank you. I would say that the opinion comes from them. That was the clarity I was looking for Mm -hmm. because I agree.
1: Two, Virgil Avlo is a win for youth culture. Yes. And this is coming from younger people, I would say, who are consumers, people who buy Off White, people who probably don't actually have the means to buy LV. These are the people who are saying that. People who loved the 10 collection.
0: Do you think it's defined by people that think a certain type of way? Is it age? Is it people of color?
1: You know, I think what I said earlier is the most indicative of why people would hold this position is that people with authority feel that Virgil does not have enough authority, does not have the qualifications necessary for Mm -hmm. this position. And it's people who do not currently have qualifiers and authority who think, yes, this is amazing.
0: And then the third one
1: is yours, which I do think I have seen not as widely held, but I would not go so far to say as you're the only person who has made this.
0: Interesting, because my opinion is really one and two though, don't you think? What? Like,
1: no, because I think yours is <laughs> this highlighting. This is interesting. Well, how this you is funny because I'm like me. clarifying. Okay, this is what I got. So this is it. Okay. For the listeners.
0: Hold on Say so that one for, time.
1: For the listeners, Eugene and I are sitting down to talk about this for the first time in person. We actually have not talked about this. We haven't even messaged about this. We only sort of alluded to each other on Twitter and Slack, basically online, online places. So maybe I've interpreted you wrong, but I take you as saying it's a win for people of color. Like it's, historical achievement like it is a Got landmark it. event that a person of color is has been appointed to this position so there's
0: a separation between two for where it's win- not
1: even about virgil really like that's what i kind of took away yeah. from you is like it's not even about virgil abloh the man and his abilities but yeah. that lv chose a black person as their creative Got as it. their new creative director and hey. that's Exciting! I that's learned, what I took away. I learned away.
0: something new about myself every day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, correct me about so. I do think I saw that opinion from other people of color. See,
0: yeah, that- that's the thing. That's maybe because I was just incorrectly grouping all that together with point number two. But one hundred percent agree. Like at this point in time, my whole thought process, and I, I, I had messaged you privately and I was like thinking about this like deep inside like my head I was like hmm what does this actually mean and I had this sort of like satirical take on this I'm wondering if it's worth sharing Yo read it Give me one second let me pull this up All right
1: You know it's funny because I was so busy I just didn't respond to this message
0: <laughs> Yeah so like <laughs> basically basically Charisse was was ge- giving me props for my answer Essentially, so
1: what happened is Eugene, it was like three tweets about the Virgil Abloh news. And then I responded and said, I've been waiting for your response and you didn't disappoint. Yeah. So my approval.
0: So this is my satirical, semi-ignorant take on it all. So please don't get offended. And also there's some swearing in this. Um, Number one, fuck this shit. He don't deserve it. Fashion is fucked. Two, wait, this is LV. A fucking money printing machine parading around as, air quotes, fashion and creativity. Three, Virgil's black and very inspirational. Four, yep, the real win is that. Three exclamation marks. So I definitely had this sort of, you know, range of emotions and like thoughts and ideas around it. And I think that ultimately to focus on this from a purely fashion perspective is incorrect because I think that the old guard of fashion obviously wants fashion to remain as this sort of pillar of culture that stands alone but I think the reality is that fashion in itself has been no longer sort of the influential player it is on its own it's influential in the grand scheme of defining culture right so what does that mean that means that honestly you know the, the the creative merit of of fashion is no longer there it's no longer valid, right?
1: That is a big statement you're um, making there. I
0: mean, if you think about it, why do you, it, it? It all sort of plays into everything that we've seen in the last little bit. Like you see how the way that we've looked at fashion to create an industry, and maybe who's at fault? I don't know. You know, is it media? Is it the fashion houses that are putting out like six to eight collections a year? I'm making that number up. I don't have enough expertise currently to really define that. But like you know. There's a reason why all these people have sort of left the industry or they've been severely destroyed, really. You know, they're taking hiatuses, they're leaving. And I think all in all, what you've seen is sort of a commoditization of fashion into just a money-making industry. It's not really about the creative art of it all. So that doesn't mean it's not influential. Because I think that in this day and age, what we see is... People are continually seeking identity and what's one of the easiest ways to define identity through the most superficial means possible that has a lot of efficiency and that's fashion.
1: I'm going to push back because I don't think that all of fashion is not about creativity anymore and it's just about commodity. I can't pronounce
0: that word. Commoditization.
1: Commoditization. I do think the responsibility lies partially on media outlets who give a lot of space and words to brands that are not creatively interesting and who have nothing new to say, but sell a lot of products, right? So it's the reason they talk about it is because they move a lot of products. I do think that there are many fashion designers still out there who are making interesting creative clothing that we don't talk about, that isn't seen, like besides being seen on the runway
0: once. It makes me wonder what the sustainability of that is. Because I think that the dominant sort of like distribution of news and whatnot, if it teeters towards certain brands, certain pieces of clothing, that inherently creates an ecosystem around that. So like the way I see it, like, yeah, I I don't disagree that there's things that that are still being, that can still subsist. But I also feel as though that, Everything else that is not in the immediate sort of like hype circle, it's a big cliff. It's a big, like you really have to go and seek and find and discover it.
1: You know, but it exists. And I think it is part of the culture of lack of thoughtfulness that has pushed things into the background. Like in order to understand and appreciate those kinds of garments or collections, there just needs to be more reading, more research. Let
0: let me ask you this. Everything you mentioned there... Do you see that replicating across popular culture? Do you see people seeking to find out more and consuming long-form content?
1: No, I don't. Which but I wish it would happen. You
0: Exactly. So I think that it's one thing to understand where we should be. It's another thing to understand what the reality we is. Just,
1: we can't say that... We cannot say that all of fashion is about commoditization, right? There is a, definitely a whole bunch of fashion designers, young fashion designers, who are trying to make fashion that is more authentically what it used to be and not just about selling products right but I'm, what I'm, I'm i just take issue exists. with your wording on this i think yeah. it's that just what's in the focus what's the highlight right now
0: is i don't the know news that i think i, I really i really think that it's shifted to a point of no return where are how do you put this the people that are holding power within defining fashion are not the same people that were calling the shots earlier and the people that were championing the artistic side of it. So what does that mean? It's like, it's basically celebrities, fashion bloggers, right? That Not to say that they all kind of look past the underlying foundation of it, but there's a reason why the Kanye West of the world were the Virgils who may not have like a traditional fashion background, but have a great network are multifaceted, I think there's a reason why they are the ones that are dominating the conversation. Like who do you think is, who do you think is, is bigger in fashion? Kanye West or who's a designer? I don't know. This is um, embarrassing, but not really. Actually
1: in my research while I was doing this, while I was prepping for this subject. I was looking up black fashion designers because I know Virgil is not the only black fashion designer and that there are other people who hold important positions as well, like in history and right now. And a good example is someone whose name I'm going to mangle, Olivier Rousting.
0: Yeah. Of Balmain. Of Balmain. Yeah.
1: Right. But he, I just don't feel like.
0: And why was he successful? Because he's super, super literate on social media. He's really good at social media.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: So like I'm, so I'm saying like the, the context of fashion now is just very different, you know, and I think that it's not a matter of like, oh, fa- social media ruined everything. But the way that we perceive fashion now is very different. So here's a better example. Between Kanye West and Ray Kawakubo, who do you think is more influential towards the sort of younger subset of fashion fans or whatever you want to call it?
1: Kawakubo is the founder of des Garçons de Garçon and
0: Dover Street Market. Yeah. And universally respected within fashion so that's the that's issue i have is like the people that are actually the ones that respect the art and craft are not necessarily the ones that are the ones that are dominating the airwaves and not to say that kanye west doesn't respect fashion in that sense but like people of his standing are the ones that are kind of pushing and pulling where fashion's going it's not about the technical side well Honestly I don't think she has it I'm trying to think she has like a super technical background but regardless you know what I mean like I think that's the argument to be had here where fashion now is part of the bigger cultural puzzle right your identity is your fashion where you eat where you travel to what you listen to and it's just a pillar within that you know it's just like you're kind you're trying to create this sort of soup of all these ingredients
1: okay several things one is I know you're right and I just don't want to admit it. It's fine. I know you're right and it's just painful to say out loud. It's cuz it's
0: sad. I I don't I'm not I'm not gloating the fact I'm right. It's just like this is where we are currently. It's sad and
1: I'm more sentimental than yeah. you and I don't I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to see this in society and admit that this is where things are yeah. but I I know it to be true and that's why I I'm like looking at you sad right now. Um the other thing is I do want to clarify it's not that I feel like we have a little bit been glorifying like technical background and the the issues that have been raised about Ablo like some of the reactions is not just that he doesn't come from a technical background but in the in all the collections that we've seen he has been panned as a designer as not being particularly Inventive. Yeah. Yeah. Not to say that he's like the worst designer out there, but just that he's not, you know, as radical as the selling yeah. of his garments would suggest. Yeah. Um,
0: Which I think, like I said, when, when you reduce fashion beyond the creative sort of craft that it is into basically like I said, a puzzle piece, it's totally fine because it's part of, it's part of the overall picture.
1: You know, To address your the conclusion that you reached, right? Like this is a win. Yeah. It is not a win in the regards that... Of what you've been going on about. Is that LV appointing Virgil is just more proof of where fashion is right now?
0: I actually think in the long term it could be a win. And the reason why is because if you all of a sudden allow access to people who traditionally don't have an opportunity to play in that space... Who's to say that the next black designer needs to go to LV? It could go to, you know, a mid-tier like fashion label. So
1: the reason I was researching other black fashion designers because, is because I was looking for other options LV could have appointed that aren't Virgil to have the same win in terms of like a POC in this position, right? And they exist yeah, and they would have been more traditional choices. Yeah. in the same line as, you know, Phoebe Philo yeah. and Kim Jones, et cetera. Like yeah. the history of LB yeah. CDs. So there was an option where they could have been like, we're going to select a person of color that's not Virgil, but the choice to go with Virgil is partially because of what you've been going on about. Yeah. It was like the...
0: Commodification it's totally the totally right choice, to be honest. And I think it's that... It's totally
1: the right choice for who?
0: Doesn't it make total for who? sense? For who?
1: Who is this a right choice for? But
0: I think it, the the him coming on board at LV is the right choice for LV and for him. So what does it mean for Virgil? What's his his victory? The fact that a person of color has come into the picture in a structure that traditionally hasn't been welcoming to people like him, and also to that community, and that community being whether it's streetwear, whether it's black designers, that's a validation.
1: Is, is it a win for LV? Because I agree with you on Virgil at that point, but is it a win for LV because they're going to sell lots of products?
0: In part, yes. But I also think that as a not so cool fashion house-
1: LV is cool enough.
0: Enough. That's the thing is like, I mean- it, tell me, LV me,
1: doesn't need to be cool.
0: Well, I mean, in the, in the realm of fashion- LV
1: doesn't need to in the, be cool. In the realm of fashion,
0: what are you selling then? In the realm of fashion, if you're not selling, LV cool. is
1: like the historical brand.
0: Yeah, but the, I'm just saying, like
1: the brand with the most legacy.
0: Like it doesn't mean that it's cool, though.
1: It doesn't need to be
0: cool. But the, I just
1: don't think of LV I mean, as needing to be don't cool. If you don't have that,
0: then what is your position? Because that that you're, you're basically not selling anything utilitarian, right? Like whereas you know, if this is the best jacket because it's the most waterproof, it's different. Cool because is
1: accessible. Cool is off-white. It's accessible. It's, it's not
0: accessible. But it's
1: more accessible than LV. LV depends. is aspirational.
0: L No, I, the, the way I look at this, Kate. Okay, LV as it stands needs to always be of a certain level of coolness. And let me ask you this. I don't this. think so. No, that's not how fashion and luxury, especially luxury fashion works. I it has
1: been even trying to be cool.
0: Why, why, do, you think, why do you think people buy LV?
1: I just said it because it's aspirational. And
0: aspirational means there has to be a level of like, it's who you associate it with. I, just,
1: I don't think cool is the right word. It's not
0: cool. It needs to be cool though, if it wants to continue growing though. Let, let's use an example of something that hits close to home. It's if, you cool. have, if you have $5,000 to spend, are you going to spend on an LV and look like a second or third tier Mainlander, which is, sounds derogatory, but it's more like, does your taste level reflect that? I'll buy like five thousand dollars worth of Celine. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Is like the long term play. Like, LV has to enter a space where it is part of the conversation. And if it's not part of the conversation, if you're not okay. attracting,
1: I still disagree. That I disagree that LV needs to try to be cool. I I don't think that has been their position. Then who's gonna
0: buy it? Who's gonna buy it in in ten years? Right? You're basically either you're relying on new wealth, which I mean, in some ways, that's kind of what they're about. But I
1: And the kind of cool that they are, which I would not use the word cool for, okay? Like cool is not the right word that I'm looking for, is not the kind that I think Virgil brings to them. You don't think so? I don't think...
0: It's a level of like street credibility. This choice
1: I see as kind of similar to them doing the Supreme Collaboration. Yes. Like,
0: Do you think that was to be cooler?
1: I think it's just such an obvious...
0: They're taking something... high level... But it's to be cooler. Like, I mean, cool is a, is a super... I don't like using that word, but I think it's the easiest way to describe this conversation at hand.
1: Okay, fine. Do you think
0: the youth will perceive LV more positively post-Virgil? Oh, no. come on. You don't, have to, you don't think the youth are going to think LV's cooler after they hire Virgil?
1: No. What?
0: I don't I don't I don't see I need you to walk me through that thought process. I think
1: they think of it as a success for Virgil. Like no, yeah, Virgil you got that's there. That's the
0: bigger picture, but I think that they also will respect LV because they allowed him. I don't think him, so. I don't oh think LV God. gets
1: I I don't think <sighs> LV gets respect for this. I don't respect LV for doing the Supreme collaboration.
0: You don't, but I think a lot of people think that LV is now something that is in the space, especially in a very impressionable. No, I think
1: it's so obvious. It's like an old person Trying to do the most obvious thing to be young.
0: We, we are. We see it, but I don't think the general population.
1: Because
0: the thing the, is, like, if, if that was the case, do you think people would buy would not buy it? Of course not. They were buying it.
1: They're buying. They bought the LV Supreme for Supreme.
0: No, but I'm just saying, like, the in the periphery, there's some sort of brand equity sharing going on there. So <sighs> my thing is this: the way Virgil I gets
1: at, way more of the benefit here. From this,
0: no LV definitely gets benefit. Okay, anyways, this is okay. No LV
1: gets the benefit from moving product. LV gets monetary benefit,
0: which is because it's cool. Like I don't know how I don't know how can you can disconnect LV. At the end of the day, what's going to be on that thing is not off white. It's going to be an (gasps) LV bag. Do you know? So this is what I was going to get at. I was going to say, do you think LV is cooler? And do you think the youth will look at LV from a more positive light with Virgil? And I said, no, and no. But I think most people say yes. And if they want to say yes, in many ways, what the youth are doing is generally perceived as what's cool and everything else. I see this
1: as a downplay for LV. This is an easy thing to do. This is not thinking about it. This is a way to make good money in the short term.
0: You can't disconnect that. They're buy- if they're gonna buy it. Why can't I of-
1: disconnect that? There are loads of brands out there that you would also say, you know, they're just in this, they're just making money off of it. There is no thinking behind. But they're these buying people. it because
0: of Virgil. Right? They're, they're buying, not, I'm, not like, I'm
1: not gonna come around. They're like buying the, of over Virgil. the course of this conversation. I mean, you came around
0: at the start of the conversation. I'm, I'm just trying to They won't necessarily be because it's amazing design, assuming that if all things considered, it's panned the same way. But and- your
1: argument Okay, maybe, maybe you're right, and it's another issue of I. I don't think you are. I That's don't fine. Think you are I don't about, think, about I don't, other I don't, people. I don't. I don't think you are.
0: I, I think the general sort of consumer sentiment around it is that they will they will follow Virgil. I mean, they followed the off white. I
1: didn't see any response anywhere where LV is so smart. I don't think that was the. Everything was focused on Virgil. Like, what does this trajectory mean for Virgil? Right? Yeah. Not like, and the only, what I saw that was related to LV was like panning LV for making this decision.
0: Yeah. Well, panning them because that refers back to like the gatekeeper argument. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But again, like the young people who were celebrating this, they're not celebrating as like, yeah, LV, like you made the right choice, you know? Yeah. That's not it. It's like. Virgil for the win, like Virgil, you made it. That's the focus.
0: So unless someone, so I disagree on
1: you saying that this decision makes LV look cool and gives them.
0: They they both have benefit. I don't know if it's like weighted (sighs) similarly, but I think they both definitely have benefit.
1: Yeah, monetarily.
0: Well, I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of brand equity. It's like, hey, LV is seen as a progressive, cool brand now.
1: How long do you think people can listen to us argue back and I don't forth know. on this? We probably should I'm cut ready, this I, off. I got We got to cut this off. Okay.
0: Anyways, that was a good one today. I enjoyed that. It sucks I'm going to be recording this remotely for the next two weeks.
1: Yeah. Well, no. And then the next two weeks after that, because oh, then I'm gone. Yeah, so. that's right. Good times. Good times. Hey, this is an episode where it'd be really great to get user feedback. If yeah. you feel any kind of way about Facebook and the future of social media platforms or Virgil and L V, hit us up and we'll argue about it some more.
0: Yeah. Oh, and on that note, who is that person that gave that great listener feedback that Eugene's voice is either too low or he slurs mums? his
1: words. Actually, a, it's a friend of mine in Toronto.
0: I'm a slur. Or maybe I'm just three no. three glasses of the wine. James
1: drink. C from Toronto said
0: Sometimes I talk too fast.
1: Either your voice is too deep, he said. It could be that which you cannot change about yourself,
0: or you slur your words. I slur for sure. Anyways, noted for the future.
1: Good place to wrap things up. I think good place. I think
0: the good place to wrap things up took place ten minutes ago. (laughs)
1: Because <laughs> we, it is true. Okay, then we can okay, we spend okay. the next 10 minutes after that rehashing each other's arguments again. Okay. If you are interested in learning more about Makin and our membership opportunities, which include exclusive content, a weekly briefing, and a members-only Slack channel, you can head over to Makin.com. There you can also read and listen to more of our stories focused on the sights and sounds of creative culture.
0: And if you really like this podcast, please review us or pass along to a friend. I think it's really important for us to. I realize that every week I try to add something new. But I guess to that point, what I'm trying to say is that hopefully there is some sort of dialogue that's created based on our conversation. Maybe it elicits some new thoughts from you. Maybe it's something that we're missing from the dialogue and we'd love to hear it because I'm just trying to be better every day.
1: Yeah. Also, <laughs> if you take the same stance as Eugene, then you can just pass this episode to a friend and be like, this is my argument.
0: I'm Eugene. I'm Sharice. And this is Making It Up.